Hello everyone, how you doing? Um, I'm Isaac, I am a Christian, I grew up in East London, East East, East London, whoop. Um, and I was raised in a Christian family, um, but my childhood and my youthhood was a bit topsy-turvy, um, didn't really know God for myself, um, but at the age of 16 I decided to take my faith a lot more seriously and I made a choice to become a Christian. Um, a few years later, um, I started doing music by the stage name Governor B, which a few of you might know. Um, and a few years later, um, I met... Well, I was looking for a girlfriend, actually. I don't know if any guys, you go through that stage where you're just like, uh, safe Jesus, I've been faithful for a while now, but I need a girl in my life. Um, so I text Ben and said, Ben, like, Ben's over there. I said, oh, I need a girl. Have you got anyone for me? Um, and Ben kind of just went through his contacts or whatever, this is like Christian Tinder, isn't it? But um, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all. Um, but he sent me a picture of Emma, um, so I got a picture and I thought decent. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got a number, and then eventually we got together, and I made a choice to propose to her. Um, and yeah, and uh, I made a choice to say yes. <laughs> Yay. Bobs. Um, how many choices do you think that we make every day? Shout some... Thousand? Hundred? What do you guys think? How many choices do we make every day, do you reckon, if you Millions. were to hazard a guess? Okay, in a day, yeah? About ten. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we actually make... The average person makes 35,000 conscious choices every day. Every single day, 35,000 conscious choices. So that might be to look left in this direction. That might be to text your friend. That might be to put your hands up, to scratch your ear. Or it might be a choice to come to New Day. And we make 35,000, on average, conscious choices every day. They just made a choice to interrupt my seminar, but it's all good. Um, it's all good anyway. Um, and some of those choices are really small and insignificant. Some of them are a bit more important and some of those other choices are massive. Now, um, who was in the seminar yesterday when Ben was speaking? Cool, man. So if you wasn't here yesterday, we're going through um, the parable of the prodigal son in the Bible. It's in the book of Luke, right? And a basic rundown is there's two sons um, and they have a father. Um, and the youngest son goes up to the father and says, Dad, um, I want my inheritance right now. Right? So it's kind of like you going up to your mum or your dad right now and saying, um, I know you're going to die eventually and you've got my name in your will, maybe, but I want that right now. So it's basically like wishing your parents dead. Um, but the father was really gracious about it, and he said, well, if that's what you want, fine. And he gave him his inheritance. So when the youngest son got his inheritance, he decided to leave home and go his own way. And the Bible describes him as spending his inheritance on wild living. Um, so in this day and age, wild living would probably be described as drinking a lot, getting drunk quite a bit, um, doing drugs, um, having loads of girls or having loads of guys. He went down that kind of road. Um, but eventually, he ran out of money. Um, if you heard about the credit crunch, the equivalent of that happened at that time. There was famine in the land the Bible describes it as. And he lost all his money, and he ended up working in a pigsty um, and that kind of stuff. And he decided that, you know what, this life ain't for me. I need to return back to my father. So we're going to read the verse now. It should come up on the screen. 
Um, it's Luke 15:17 to 22. Um, so it says, but when he came to himself, he said, this is when he's kind of run out of money and there's famine in the land and he's working in a pigsty, feeding the pigs. Um, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Is that it? Yeah? Cool, man. Yeah, that's it. Can go back up. Cool. Um, so a couple of questions I've got about the prodigal son is how he first got into that position of having everything that his father knew he needed because his father was quite a wise man. Um, to then decide that actually I've got my inheritance now and I'm going to go my own way. I guess number one would be that he thought he knew better. I don't know if we've ever been in a situation where we've got the wisdom of people that are older than us, like our family or our friends or older cousins or whatever, but we think that actually, do you know what? In this moment right now, I know what I'm doing. You might not agree with it. I know best right now. He thought material possessions, money girls, wild living, those kind of things would satisfy him. He had a short-term vision. He lived for the temporary, and he thought, you know what, right now, I've got all the money, I can buy anything I want, I can do anything I want, and that's going to satisfy me. But it didn't satisfy him. And I'm often surprised when I see people that are quite rich, quite well-off, very famous, and it seems to the world... To me, sitting on the couch, watching them on the, the TV, that they have everything they, they could have ever wished for. But these same people end up in drug addiction or alcohol addiction, committing suicide and that kind of thing. Um, and then I'm reminded of last year when I went back to where my parents are from in Ghana um, and I visited an orphanage. And there was this kid about 12 years old, no money, struggling for food, seeking charity, and he was one of the happiest people that I've ever seen in my life. He was just content and he was satisfied. And it goes to show that actually the things that we look at on the TV and that all these celebrities have and all these rich people have, they're not enough to sustain you. Number three is that I feel like the, the younger son, the prodigal son, lost his pride a lot later than he should have. When he's asking his father for inheritance, if he was wise and he kind of thought about what he was doing, that's a very prideful thing to do, saying, Dad, I know best. Give me what's mine now. If he chose to swallow his pride in that moment, he wouldn't have ended up in a pigsty, feeding the pigs, wanting to eat the pig food, and then realizing, actually, this is the time where I want to swallow my pride and go back to my father. I'm reminded of um, a cousin that I've got, uh, me and Emma went to one of my family christenings last week. Um, my cousin couldn't come because he's lying low, hiding out from the police, right? Um, and when he was 16 is when he first got in some big trouble. He did an armed robbery with some of the older guys on his estate, and he got caught. He was the only one that got caught out of all the guys that did the robbery. Um, and one other guy as well, sorry. 
So he had to go to court and the judge said, you know what? You should be going to a young offenders institute for this crime that you've committed. But I can see that you weren't really the main person involved, but you're heavily influenced by the people around you and the older guys on your estate. So on this occasion, I'm going to let you off, but you've got to make sure that you never do anything like this again. And he said, cool, and he walked out of the court. Now, that was the moment that he probably should have swallowed his pride and gone to the olders on the estate and said, you know what, I've had enough. This life isn't really for me. I just narrowly escaped prison, and now is the time that I want to come out of this. But he got caught up in the lifestyle when he went back into it. A couple of years later, he'd done another armed robbery, and this time he got caught, went to court, and they sent him down to prison. And when I went to visit him in prison, he said the same thing. He should have listened two years ago when he had the opportunity, but he decided that he was going to swallow his pride a lot later in life, and it was too late for him. So there's a Tim Keller quote um, from a book that I read, and it says this, It is the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. Spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives achieve our own sense of self-worth and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. Even in the Bible, Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Now, no disrespect to anyone here that's that's a farmer or works with pigs or anything like that. Have we got any farmers here today? Anyone work with pigs? All right, cool, I can say what I was going to say then. But basically, the prodigal son is at the lowest of lows, right? He's in a pigsty and his job is to feed the pigs. And he's thought to himself that if I could have this food that I'm feeding the pigs, I'd be all right. That he's gone from being the son of a very wise man to go in his own way and I'm wishing that he could have some pig food. And it was funny because I was talking to my friend yesterday that came on site um, and I was like, oh, where are you working right now? And he was like, oh, I work in Lidl. Now, me personally, I don't find anything wrong with working in Lidl. You've got to do what you've got to do. But the way he said it, it was like he was embarrassed that he works in Lidl. Like, imagine working in a pigsty, feeding pigs, wishing that you would have the pig food. It's a sad situation that you've come from such a, a great house and ended up there. And he ended up there because of choices that he made. Okay, so we're going to have a quick look at some of the choices that we make. So the prodigal son made a series of choices that got him into the pigsty in the first place, and he made a series of choices that got him out and back to the father. Um, so because there are 35,000 choices that we make a day, obviously some of them are going to slip through the net. We're not going to be that focused on every single choice being spot on. But one thing that I find really helpful to do myself is to filter my mind with this question. Will this bring me closer to God or further away from him? Um, I think we live in a world where we're having an identity crisis at the moment. We don't know who we are or what we're here for. And we're trying to place our value and our worth in so many different things. Um, The world is telling us that it's all about what we know, who we know, what we look like, what we wear, what we own. But none of that is what's important. We think that if we can just get approval from other people, that we'll be cool. And to be honest, I think 
Social media is probably one of the best examples of the insecurity that we all feel in this day and age. We post a picture of ourselves or something that we think is interesting or a holiday, and then we just wait for people to judge it, to say like whether they like it or whether they think you're pretty or whatever. Um, and if we don't get any likes, what happens? Has anybody ever put a picture on Instagram and deleted it 10 minutes later because you didn't get any likes? We've got one hand over there, <laughs> hand there. <laughs> We've got quite a few of us. It's embarrassing. What is wrong with us? Why do we seek approval from other people so much? I do it myself. I know that I do. I, um, I can find myself sometimes, like I'm about to put something online and I'm like overanalyzing it, like, okay, wait, I look this kind of way in this picture, but maybe I look different in this picture. Maybe they're going like, to think I look weird, I don't know. And we really overanalyze ourselves. We've been taught by the world that you're only beautiful if other people tell you that you are, that something's only good if more than 11 people agree, um, that you're only funny if you can get 20 retweets. Um, but that's not true. God says that you are lovely, you are beautiful, you are chosen, you are cherished. He says all of that about us. He says all of that about every single one of you. But the world wants you to believe that you are forgotten, you are ugly, you're a failure. And we create these profiles to get ourselves out of that ditch that we think we're in. But the good news is, is that God's created the perfect profile for us already. He says all that stuff about us. We've got this beautiful profile waiting for us. We don't need to compare ourselves to other people anymore. We don't need to flick through thousands of pictures. Like, I wish I looked like that. I wish I looked like that. Because we've got our profile that's in God. And we need to believe what he says about us. As well, social media isn't real life. We get so caught up in comparing ourselves to other people's best version of themselves that we forget that everybody has their thoughts. Now, I'm not saying post every single thing about your life. Like, we don't want to know everything. But, <laughs> um, but just don't take yourself so seriously. And don't take other people so seriously. Think of the filter when you're doing stuff online. Will this bring me closer to God or further away from him? Um, you can serve God with your social media. You can, you can share the gospel. It's not about just posting a picture and then writing the caption, which is like the whole New Testament. But you can be a witness to your friends through what you do with your online accounts. You can show that you don't care if you get any likes or not. You're not placing your value in that. You're not going to get down if nobody says that you're hot or doing them little fire things or the heart eyes or whatever. Like, that doesn't matter to you. <laughs> but what matters is what God says about you. And what about your friends seeing that you're not going to post that provocative pictures of yourself because you respect yourself as a daughter of the king? What would that say to your friends? What about if you're a guy and your, your mates are following some dodgy accounts that just fill your mind with bad stuff? You just don't follow that because you don't want to give any opportunity to the devil. We've got to be accountable with our accounts, yeah? If you're not following, if you're not accepting one of your youth leaders or someone that you respect their opinion online, you need to ask yourself why. So we've looked at online... So now we should probably look at real life, yeah? Um, how many of you have ever got into a situation and you're in a bit of a mess and you're thinking, how did I even get here? The prodigal son was probably thinking that when he was standing in the pigsty. He was probably 
going back in his mind, like, right, what point was it that I made a really bad decision? Nine times out of ten, it's not one big decision that we make that's wrong. It's like a multiple, like, few decisions that we make that are really small that we think, do you know what, this doesn't matter. And that's kind of what happened with Adam and Eve as well in the Garden of Eden. It's been happening since the beginning of time. The devil didn't come storming over, being like, come on, guys, do this, do that, so that they could put their defenses up. He came like a serpent. He came in and he convinced them that what they were doing was okay. And that's what the devil can do to us. And this happens so much in relationships. We get into a position of compromise through making small choices that we think don't matter. Like, what kind of boyfriend or girlfriend are you looking for? Have you already got a boyfriend or girlfriend? Or are you on the hunt at New Day? I don't know. Um, is it just somebody that's, like, good-looking and fun to be around? Or are you looking for someone that passionately loves Jesus and wants to serve them alongside you? I've forgotten what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, so I, when I was about 18 or 19, I remember I was like going to my mum. I was like, Mum, I'm never going to have a husband. I'm going to be left on the shelf. And I was like 19, left on the shelf. She was like, Emma, shut up. You're talking a load of rubbish. You'll be fine. And I was like, no, seriously, Mum. She was like, well, have you prayed for what you want? And I was like, well, no, obviously not. That's a bit weird. And she was like, what, what do you want? And I was like, all right, cool. Um, okay, I want someone that wears nice trainers. Because like, a lot of Christian guys don't wear good trainers. So can you sort that out, please? <laughs> um, and I need someone that's tall. Because I find I'm quite tall myself. Like, I want someone a little bit, little bit taller than me. She's feeling my uh, boyfriend choices over there. Um, and then I guess, yeah, I want somebody that um, is passionate about Jesus and wants to work for him as well. So mum was like, all right then, pray for that. And I was like, no, I can't pray for that. That's stupid. I can't say to God I want someone with nice trainers. Like the God of gods. I can't say that. But I did. She was like, okay, let's pray. So we prayed. Little quick two-minute prayer. No, like, hands out and Holy Spirit or anything. Just quick prayer. And I didn't really think about it much until about two months later, this guy comes along. Sponsored by Adidas. Six foot three. (laughs) And his job is to go up and down the country sharing the gospel. For me, that was like, what? I have hit the jackpot. But really, what it was, it was God saying to me, Emma, I listen to you. Emma, I know your heart. I knew those things before you even asked me, but I just wanted you to ask me. I wanted you to be faithful in it. And through that, I've known throughout our relationship that actually... Isaac is a gift from God. He's not in place of God. And there's been times when I've maybe started to put too much of my reliance on Isaac or I've put my trust in him more than I have in God. And that's when things start messing up. But actually, I have to always remember that he is God's gift for me as a friend and a companion, but he isn't my God. So we need to think wisely about who we're dating and who we're looking for, you need to think of the question, will this, bring, will this person bring me closer to God or further away from him? Um, at 3 p.m. today, we're probably going to do, well, we are going to do um, a Q&A. So we'll do a little bit more on the relationships thing, if you've got any questions about that and the social media and anything else that comes up in this seminar. So that'll be at 3 p.m. over at the Rhythm Factory. So it'll be great for you to come down. Um, I did just want to quickly share as well something that I was praying about last week when I was preparing for this seminar. Um, 
I really felt like there's some people here um, that are part of a friendship group, perhaps back home or even here on the campsite, and you find yourself really influenced by what they're doing. And last year you were here at New Day and you were like, yeah, do you know what? I'm not going to go back to that. I'm going to go home different. But then you found yourself just slowly slipping back into following them into the things that they were doing, kind of like Isaac's cousin. Um, But then this year you're back here at New Day again. And I feel like God really wants to make you know your worth as a daughter or a son of him so that you can go back home as an influencer and as a leader in your friendship groups. Because that's what we need. We need influences. We don't need you to just cut off from your friends and go a different way. Sometimes that is necessary. But I think it's really important for us to be influencers and leaders. It, where I work is not a nice environment to be a Christian. They swear constantly in the office and you're encouraged to get drunk like in working hours it's ridiculous um so for me when I started working there in September I was like oh my days what is this um but I was like right I'm just going to continue doing me I'm going to do my own thing I'm going to stick to my guns and I have done and I sit on a table of like six people and now they barely swear at all and they say sorry if they do swear. And I never even told them not to. I, I literally never said a thing. They don't say, oh, my God, anymore. They say, oh, my days. They say, what the flip, which is just great. <laughs> um, but I never judged them. I never said, no, don't say that. That's really offensive. I never got my back up about it. But I just did me. And I continued being their friend. And I continued being around them. Because your friends do notice what you do. They notice when you're different and they notice when you stand out. It's not always comfortable, but we're not called to be comfortable. We're called to be different. Um, Life is kind of like a tightrope. So we've got like the world is this side and then we've got God is over here. And you know like a tightrope, the middle bit is like a bit bouncy, it's a bit, bit scary. That's where a lot of you feel like you want to be in the middle because maybe you're not bad, bad, so you're not really this side, but you're not really the best Christian either. So you feel like, no, that's that, I can't really live up to that. So you're standing in the middle, but everybody knows that in the middle of a tightrope is the most dangerous place to be, right? Because it's wobbly and you're likely to fall off and you're not really secure on either side. And at one point or another, you're going to have to start taking steps in one direction to find your balance again. So that's like our life. Every single choice that we make is a step in one direction or in another. And I think I used to feel like if I had made like a step in this direction with the world, that God was then just over this side like, oh gosh, forget about her. I'm done with her. She'll come my way when she wants to. But actually, God is over this side and he is like, Emma, come this way. Choose me, Emma. Emma, come on. I've got so much in store for you. Every single bad choice that I make, his choice of choosing me is what matters the most. And I need to not forget that. If you've messed up, God has got so much grace for you. And his, him choosing you is the most important thing. And he is screaming for you. He wants you to come home. And he's not going to leave you to just walk on that tightrope by yourself because it's scary. But he's going to give you the Holy Spirit to do it. So, That's yeah. great. Um, I think that was amazing.
And that's 100% true. And um, I love the term light bulb moment. And I think there were many light bulb moments in the prodigal son's story. Um, and I feel like we get them all the time. I love the fact that you can be in a dark place or you can be in the wrong place. And all of a sudden, the light just switches on in your head and you're like, what am I doing? In my life, I think there have been many light bulb moments. And it's up to you to choose when to listen or when to ignore them. I remember when I was at uni, my first year, I decided to do computer science. I don't have a clue about computer science. Um, and in the first month was my first light bulb moment that, bruv, you're not going to pass this course. It's just not for you. But I just ignored it. About six months later, when it comes to you're getting close to exam time, my second light bulb moment, you should really start trying to pick up a book and revise now, otherwise it's not going to end well. Results day. My third light bulb moment, peak times, yeah? It wasn't good. I failed my first year, and I was just thought to myself, if I listened to that first voice in my head one month in, I could have done something about it. The prodigal son, he had light bulb moments along the way. Probably the first one was when he went up to his dad and said, yo, can I have my inheritance, please? There must have been something there that said, this is highly disrespectful to go up to your parents and ask for what's in their will before they're even dead. When he decides to walk away from home and go his own way, there must have been something there that said, I shouldn't really be doing this. He had his light bulb moment that really turned his life around when he was rock bottom in a pigsty. Do you really want to wait till you're rock bottom in a pigsty before you listen or you see that light bulb? Or do you want to do it now when you've got the opportunity to? Some of you have been coming New Day for a few years and you think it's amazing and you think it's great and you know that you really should be taking God seriously but you're not just seeing that light bulb, right? Like Emma said, God sends you the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Anyone watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? You ever seen that move that Will does when he's got a girl and he just claps and the light comes on? Don't you wish you could do that? Just And the light comes on. That's like the Holy Spirit. He's like, you never have a touch of light switch in your whole entire life. He's just there flicking lights on as you wake up, as you walk. You're just flicking the lights on. And you've got to make sure that you're having your light bulb moments and you're taking them. So, I want to give every single person here an opportunity to take up their light bulb moment here today. I don't want you guys to wait till you're in a super bad situation, till you've got nothing left. Because often it's harder and it's more shameful and it's more embarrassing. But you're blessed because you serve a God that has grace for every single bad thing that you've done. He has grace for every single position that you're in right now. He has grace for every single situation. There might be a number of people here, some people that are in a pretty bad situation now and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. It might be a very dark place. You can have a light bulb moment in that. There might be some people like Emma described that are in the middle with a tightrope. They're not really so far gone, but they're not really the closest to God either. Listen, see your light bulb moment right now. Don't wait till you're all the way over there before you do it because you've got longer to walk. You're here right now. You can still have a light bulb moment and God can still work in your situation. And then you've still got people there that are doing all right with God, but you don't want to get complacent. You want to make sure that you're always on fire. You're always in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're always seeing these signs. So we're going to worship now. We're going to sing a song and I want you to stay seated. Um, for the prodigal son, he had to do a big thing to get back to his father, right? He had to get up in the pigsty and do a complete 180 and turn around and walk in the other direction. 
He was walking to his father. He had his apology planned out in his head. But his father saw him and he wasn't even interested. He was just so delighted to see him. He was so delighted that he had turned around, gone in the opposite direction and come home that he just went up to him and he embraced him. I remember when I was younger, right, I asked my dad to play out. Um, and my dad said I couldn't play out, that I wasn't allowed to go out. I was so angry that I ran upstairs and I booted my bedroom door. But as I booted the door, I made a big fat hole in the door. Yeah, The door just came out. And I was just like, rah, my mom's going to kill me, right? And I'm not really good with words when I apologize to people. So I went in my room, and before my mom got home, I just wrote her a letter. Like, ask Emma. Every time I do something wrong, I just write her a letter, because I'm not really good at, at speaking. So I wrote my mom a letter, said stuff like, oh, I'm so sorry for kicking a hole in the door. I'll pay for it. I'm going to ground myself for two months, and all this kind of stuff, yeah? You know when you, you've done something so bad, you have to ground yourself? That's how deep it was, yeah? Now imagine, yeah, imagine my mom comes home, comes upstairs, sees a big fat hole in the door, and I run up to her, start to apologize, like, Mom, I'm sorry, and she just cuts me off. And she's like, son, there's a hole in the door, but I can see that you're sorry, so do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy you some of the best clothes you've ever received in your life, and I'm going to throw you a big party. There's going to be jollof, there's going to be plantain, there's going to be rice, chicken, everything. I'm going to invite all your friends around, and we're going to celebrate. Imagine she gets out her phone. Hey, Snapchat, my son's just broken a hole in the door, but guess what? Turn up, Ribbon Factory tonight, we're going to party. It's not going to be like that. She'll slap me one time, two time, three time, yeah? But God's not like that. He's got grace for you. He, the father saw his son coming after everything that he'd done. He'd asked for money, he'd gone out wild living, squandered it all. He turned around and came back and the father sees him and he says, my son goes up to him, gives him a hug and a kiss and throws him a party. That's what the King of Kings is like. That's what your Savior is like. That's what Jesus is like. He's got grace for everything that you've done. So right now, Jesus is going to come up. He's going to lead us in worship. And I want you to stay seated. And when you feel like, you know what, this is the light bulb moment for me, I want you to just stand up and worship the Father. I don't want you to do it because other people are doing it or because you're in the New Day hype or because other people are not doing it. I want you to stand up because for you, this truly represents a light bulb moment that you're going to take God seriously and you're on that tightrope but you're taking steps towards Jesus and you're going to keep taking steps towards Jesus and you're going to trust him. So when you're ready, in your own time, speak to God. Think about your situations and think about your light bulb moments and see if you're ready to come back to the Father. It's got to come from your heart and you've got to call out for Jesus because he's ready and he's waiting for you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquers the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquers the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquers the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquers the grave. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes? Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Yes, Lord, that you would take my place. Oh, that you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Emma and Isaac just brought some quite heavy, challenging stuff, I think, for all of us, me included, about choices that we're making, things that we're doing. And so for what we would do now before we do some other type of response and we hear some different words and pictures is I just want you to take a couple of minutes to yourself. Jude's probably going to carry on playing. We might sing the song again. But this moment now between you and God, just take a couple of minutes and think about some of the choices that you know you need to make when you go back home. Some of the choices you need to make now in whatever area of your life, your friendship group or your home life or your social media or whatever it might be. See what God presses on your heart. Take this moment now. It's actually, yeah, God, you know what? I'm going to make this choice now today here on this day. I'm going to make this choice. It's a moment between you and him. So we're going to play the song again. I want us to encourage you to, to close your eyes and just hear from God in this moment now. And I'm sure there's going to be other things that we're going to do to help you respond. But for now, let's just do that. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan, the son and daughter, the king of glory, the king above all kings? Who rules the nations? 
Who rules the nations with truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance The King of glory, the King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you would lay down your life that I would be set free Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me. Let's sing worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. If you believe it, let's sing it. Worthy is the King who conquers the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place That you would bear my cross Yes, Lord, you would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. There's so much stuff which Emma and Isaac have shared. It's, it's been great. I just want to pick up on the social media side of stuff. Some, a lot of the young people I work with, I'd say it's probably the thing that your generation is dealing with more than anything else, the impacts of social media. Like Emma was saying, like, it influences your identity more than it should do. It influences your decisions more than it should do. It makes you feel happy and sad depending on what's on your Twitter, your Instagram, your Snapchat, your Facebook. And it's, a lot of it is just a lie. A lot of it is just rubbish. And then Isaac was talking about light bulb moments. And I was reminded of this really fantastic verse in, in Matthew, which I'm just going to read. It's in Matthew 6, and it says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What this verse is getting at is that what you actually allow your eye to see has an impact on your heart. So when I'm on Instagram and I go to that bit where I see what my, my friends have liked, some of the things will come up, I'm just like, Wow. <laughs> I shouldn't be looking at this. And it has an impact on, on my mind, on my heart, 
a lot of stuff we listen to and watch does that. And then what I realise is that actually we do need accountability. And it, the best place to start with accountability is yourselves. So what I want you to do around the whole thing about social media and what's influencing you, I want you to get into like groups of three or four people you know and I want you to pray for each other around social media because this is a, such a massive thing it does influence you it influences your thinking how you act why you do certain things and I just want you to just get into three or four so we're going to do this for a moment and I want you to pray Heavenly Father help us not to be influenced by this stuff help us to be accountable for each other help us to be honest when we see some stuff which our friend our brother or sister in Christ are doing and we're like well you shouldn't be looking at that so can we do that? Can we get into threes and fours just for a short while? And we've got some other stuff that people want to share. Holy Spirit is here. God is speaking. If you don't know the person next to you, this is a great time to introduce yourself. You might get a husband or wife out of it. No, I'm joking. But I'm saying turn to a person just, and just pray around social media. Ask to be covered by the Holy Spirit. Be accountable. Pray that you are more influenced by the word of God than what is going on in the actual world. If you want to start to bring your prayers to a close, we've got um, two or three people who are going to come and share some stuff that you might want to respond to. So I'll give you a little 30 second warning if you want to bring your prayers to a close and then just face this way again. That would be great. Let's not lose the moment. Let's not get distracted God is still doing stuff amongst many of you. I still believe he wants to do a lot more with you this morning. I believe that there wants to be lots of freedom. And I believe that he's at work now. So let's stay in that mindset. I think James is going to come and share something. Yeah, it's just more about the uh, choosing your friends wisely bit. Uh, growing up, I've, uh, I got in them with the wrong crowd, started getting arrested, doing drugs and all that sort of stuff. And... One of, and all, out of all of that, the hardest thing was actually saying, I can't hang about with that person and that group of people. And I felt God kind of urged me to say this because there may be some people here that actually feel that way. And uh, uh, got that in the back of their mind. But, you know, like friends of my family, but family don't hurt each other. They don't get each other into bad situations. And actually, my life started turning around once I cut them out. And yeah, it hurt. But you know what? God, God is bigger than that. And if anything, what I'd like actually encourage you guys to do is that's just, if that is you, find people in a red hat and actually just ask if they pray with you for strength. And also for a really awesome group of people to hang about with because that's really important because you need structure in your lives. But just to encourage you, honestly, just sever them ties, cut them out of your life, be at peace. And know that God's got much more for you. So bless you. Great. Thanks, James. Why don't we all just stand again? We're going to have a couple more people come and share. And then we're going to have an opportunity to respond to some of the things that people are sharing with us. So I think Kath's going to come and share. God just gave you a picture of this someone that um, has been harm, self-harming their self. God just wants to say that he loves you. That you're his treasure. God wants you to draw back to him. He's the father of grace. <laughs> if that is you, I want to pray for you afterwards. Last night, we had a talk about shame. And I, I just know 
that God wants to wash more shame off of people. Some of you have posted pictures on Instagram that you wish you hadn't. Some of you have said things to people. Some of you have done things that you wish you hadn't. And some of you will be reminded of those things when you leave here. You make a decision today and the enemy will come and he will try and he will try and snatch that away. And he might use your friends or your ex-friends. He might use even people in your church to actually rob you of this moment, the decision that you have made. But you have made a decision today and God has seen that decision And you can make that decision even in your mind every time someone tries to rob you of it. I'm not that person. That is not my name. Yeah, you can remember the name of this seminar. And you, you do not have to. You can resist any shame that comes because you are new creations. You are new creations. Do you want to say that? I am a new creation. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. When you say that out loud, you, you release things in the spiritual because you are a spiritual beings, yeah? You release that in the spiritual. I am a new creation in God and there is no shame. There is no shame. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and they are the badges that you wear wherever you go. Whatever you do, whatever time you mess up. You can make that decision again. There is no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. You know what, in the, um, the culture that the prodigal son lived in, it would have been common that if he asked for his inheritance, he not only would have been disinherited, but he could have been stoned. And so coming back um, to his father's house, he would have been aware that actually he might be facing stoning. Um, I think sometimes we picture this story as a house out in the middle of nowhere. But actually, you know what? Likelihood is it was a town, it was a village. And you know what that means? The father was probably stood on the outskirts of this town waiting for his son because he knew that when the son came back, the other people might see them first and might come and stone him. And you know what? God wants to say today, he is protecting you. When he comes, when he sees you, he's running, which is a shameful thing for him to do anyway, but he ran to protect. And he comes to protect you. If you're feeling shame, he comes to protect you. He comes to be that bubble around you. So don't be fearful about bringing things to light.